you'll have a Bible with you today. Daniel chapter 6. I hope you'll turn there. If you don't have a Bible, scoot next to someone who does. We're looking at uh, the message title is, You Are Being Watched. I love this picture. <laughs> Little kids staring at you with binoculars. Have you ever noticed that kids really watch what you do? Uh, well, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to see some things that we can learn. We're not looking at the whole chapter. We're just looking at the beginning of the chapter, just just really getting started and just seeing that you are being watched. And so chapter 5 ends with Darius the Mede receiving the kingdom, being about 62 years old, and then Darius set some people up over the kingdom, Darius, and uh, Darius said, uh, people wonder who he was, because there's no record of that in Cyprus, or in uh, the Medes and the Persians, but King Cyrus was king of Medo-Persia, and Darius uh, was not Darius the Great, who would later rule after Cyrus, so who is this guy? Well, uh, some suggest it's a guy with a different name and, and what that guy did in the roles they have recorded it could be. We call people by different names. Um, we, I had a, a neighbor friend uh, who he, he and his brother were Bodie and Jody, and we were neighbors with him for, what, three years before we found out that really wasn't their names? Uh, their names were like John and Pete, but they went by Bodie and Jody. I don't, I don't know why, but... But people have different names. Uh, remember in the New Testament, Joseph, what did his name get changed to by the apostles? To Barnabas. He became Barnabas. And throughout history, we know him as Barnabas. Uh, and so we don't know where Darius came from, whether it was the other guy whose name began with a G or whether... It, but listen, there was no record outside of Scripture of King David. There was no archaeological proof that affirmed there was ever a King David in Israel. And when they actually found proof etched in stone of the house of David ruling in Israel, guess what year they found that? 1993. How many of you were born before 1993? Raise your hand. When you were born, there was no archaeological proof of King David. But every archaeological discovery through the centuries has affirmed the Scripture. So I don't know exactly who Darius was. I wish I could tell you, uh, but I don't. But I do know that guy was really there, and this really happened, because all the other archaeological discoveries have affirmed this. So I, I think that's encouraging. And I think in the future, maybe, maybe they've already found something on this guy, but we haven't heard it yet. Listen, chapter 6. It pleased Darius uh, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. What's a satrap? It's a political leader. Uh, some call them president, some translations, or governors. And then over those... Um, three governors or princes or presidents, depending on how it's written in the translation. So it's broken down into taxable units. And so they design it like in Arizona when I, my little brother's 13 and a half years younger than me. 
And so he was in high school, and I was in my 30s, and he was struggling with government. And I said, here, I'll help you study for your test. Name the 13 counties in Arizona. He said, there's 15 counties in Arizona. I turned to my parents and said, when did they do that? (laughs) I'd been living in Texas. I didn't hear about that. Oh, some of you still don't know, but that's okay. (laughs) So they, they broke it down into groups. And sometimes they had 26 groups, sometimes 20, sometimes 120. Uh, but, but they would break it down. Every leader would break it down differently. Like years ago, California had very few representatives in the House of Representatives, and now they have a lot more. It used to be Michigan was way more significant than California in the Electoral College. Not anymore. And so uh, Darius sets up these guys, and they're going to have these districts, and these guys are going to govern over it, and they're going to make sure the money flows into the, the king there, Darius being the king of that region of Babylon, and then Cyrus being the king of Medo-Persia. So Daniel was one of these three governors or presidents or princes uh, that uh, would hold the satraps into account, and, and so the king would suffer no loss. There would be no pilferage, there would be no skimming, there would be uh, appropriate taxation and, and revenue. Political leaders always have an interest in the revenue coming in. Did you hear about the guy who wrote his his check out for his taxes? He wrote it out to the Infernal Revenuer Service, and he actually faced charges for that, for slander. So I thought it was funny, but decided not to copy it. Verse number three. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because he had... Because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So you're, Darius, you have come in, um, they, uh, you know, they got slipped in through under the gates where the river had been, and they conquered the city, and uh, Belshazzar was put to death, and uh, but Daniel had been a leader un- in Babylon, and he was kept alive, and he still now served under Darius. And, and uh, Darius is kind of redoing things, setting things up. It's, it's got to fit him and his understanding. And so the key people, the most important ones, are the ones he feels like he can trust the most. And so Daniel is one of those three guys. And then he just observes Daniel, and he sees so much in Daniel, so much ability and such a heart in Daniel that he's thinking about setting Daniel up over everybody. Can you imagine that made some people upset? It made some people want to hurt Daniel. They didn't want Daniel to be over them. Now, why wouldn't they? He was a a man with an excellent spirit and excellent wisdom. Why wouldn't they? Well, it's possible they were skimming and they knew Daniel would catch it. But the reality is, we don't like authority. None of us do. I've heard kids in the nursery say to nursery workers, you're not an authority over me. We've had kids 
fuss and holler and complain? Maybe that wasn't in the nursery. Do nursery kids say authority? This was a brilliant child in the nursery. All right, maybe he was an older kid, but he was here. And, and he said that to my wife. You're not an authority over me. Well, yes, she is in that context. We don't like authority. We chafe at it. We want to be able to do our own thing our own way. And so maybe they didn't like Daniel just because of that. Maybe they didn't like Daniel because he was Jewish. Throughout the centuries, Jews have been abused and attacked simply for being Jewish. And maybe that's why. Maybe he didn't like them because of that. We don't know why, but we do know what. Verse number four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. All right, let's look back at this. Uh, Daniel had political savviness. But he did not pursue political goals. We saw under Nebuchadnezzar, he was recognized as outstanding and put in a position of authority, and then he was promoted. We saw under Belshazzar how he was promoted. And now under Darius, he again is already been promoted and being considered for another promotion. But Daniel was not politically maneuvering for this appointment. He wasn't passing out cards. He wasn't running ads. He wasn't talking himself up. He wasn't uh, bragging about Daniel. But Daniel had political savvy. He knew what worked and what wouldn't work. He made good decisions. And sometimes people in public office drift into pragmatism. If I were to ask you, probably every single one of you could name a politician who when they went into office were adamant they were going to do this or not do that, and then they were in, it didn't happen. How many of you can remember, read my lips, no new taxes? Yeah. Some of you younger ones are, what's he talking about? That was George Herbert Walker Bush who then raised taxes. Or remember President Obama saying, I will shut down Guantanamo. It's still there. So politicians make promises and pledges, and then, but they get into office sometimes and pragmatism sets in. Now, before we go all against politicians, it happens in our own lives. When God's word said, don't do this, do this. And sometimes instead of that, we do this thing in the middle. That's almost there, but not there. We get pragmatic. Pragmatic is doing what works. What's convenient instead of what's right. And Daniel was not pragmatic. In fact, a better description of Daniel would be he was a fanatic. 
These guys said there's no way to get anything against Daniel unless we make it illegal to worship God. He was a fanatic about worshiping God. Daniel was no longer a young man. At this point in history, he's between 82 and 90 years old. And at the beginning of, cha of the chapter, at the end of chapter 5, uh, Darius is only 62. So Daniel's an elder statesman. For him to consider putting Daniel into a position of authority over the whole kingdom is significant because uh, most of the kings and leaders wanted people to only look up to them. But he saw in Daniel something that was great, and he wanted to put Daniel in that position. He was still sharp, and he still had valuable wisdom and discernment learned over the years of walking with God. Sometimes young people devalue older people. What was the saying in the 60s? Never trust anybody over 30. Never trust anybody over 30. And then, conversely, my dad was under 30 at that time in history. And then later on, he would say, by the time he was in his 70s, no man ever had a good idea who was under age 30. <laughs> kind of funny how it shifts over the years, isn't it? But Daniel was still sharp and valuable. Belshazzar had ignored him till the very end of his reign, but Darius recognized him. Okay. Uh, in verse number three, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. What if every boss, every coworker, every teacher, every neighbor of a believer could look at that believer and say, wow, there's an excellent spirit in that person. What if they could all say that about you or me? There's an excellent spirit here. Um, they should see something in us that points them toward Christ. So in verse 4, they were jealous of Daniel. They tried to find some cause to make an accusation against him. But they couldn't. In verse 2, he was responsible for overseeing finances, but his funds were accounted for. He would pass the audit with flying colors. They could find no fault there. He was responsible for making decisions, but he always decided with wisdom so they could find no fault there. He was responsible for being faithful to Darius. And he was. They could find no fault. Darius could find no fault. And he was thinking about putting him in charge of everything. He was responsible. He was faithful. He had an excellent spirit. He was being watched. And so are you. Mark your spot in Daniel 6. Please take your Bible and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. This is a, another psalm of David, a psalm of worship and praise to God. And, and David lets us know that we are being watched by God himself. Psalm 139, verse number one. O oh Lord, you have searched me 
and known me. God has been examining his life. It's not just that God sees, but he examines. Like, I have a, a niece who really is good with recognizing birds. And I, I think it's a little easier when you're not colorblind to recognize the different birds. But, you know, she'd like, oh, look at that. And then she'd say the name of the bird. You know, and I'd say, oh, look, the birdie, you know. Uh, but from the time she was little, she could see and recognize birds and recognize uh, and, and tell the difference. See, that's the kind of looking God's doing. He's searching you. And he knows you. As one old-time preacher said, he knows you inside out, upside down, and backward. God knows everything about you. Verse 2, you have known my sitting down and my rising up. God knows when you're going to sit down. He sees when you sit. He sees when you rise. He can see indoors. He can see outdoors. The psalm later says, the night is the same as daylight to God. Nothing hinders him. The end of verse 2, you understand my thought afar off. I find that comforting because every now and then my family says they don't understand how my brain works. But God does. God gets me even when I don't get myself. He understands our thoughts afar off. He comprehends our path. He's known the end from the beginning. He comprehends the whole path of your life and humanity. Verse 3, uh, he says, You comprehend my path and my lying down and aren't acquainted with how many of my ways? All my ways. Have you ever done something in front of somebody you were a little embarrassed they saw you. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. You're afraid to raise your hand, aren't you? <laughs> like, get into the middle of a busy intersection and stall the car. Uh, many of us have done that. You, you <laughs> Kathy used to call it the polite art of looking away. When you have seen somebody do something very embarrassing, you pretend you didn't see it. You just look away. So much more polite than laughing at them. But the, sometimes laughing's more fun. Anyway, verse, God understands everything about us. He's acquainted with all of our ways. Verse 4, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now jump back to Daniel chapter 6. See, God is watching. You are being watched, and part of it's from above. God is watching. We have uh, drones that fly up in the sky now, and they fly over areas, and they can see things, and evaluate things, and show pictures back, amazing pictures they can take, and some of them have phenomenal camera abilities to zoom in, and zone in. when I was a kid, it would just, the U-2 pilots would fly way up in the sky. And, and we were so impressed with them. And I got to have lunch with a U-2 pilot. And, you know, he flew up there right next to God. It was what I thought when I was a kid. They were way up high in the sky. One of the U-2 pilots was a friend of my dad's. And 
and we got to know him well. And, uh, but God sees everything. What a drone can see is a targeted area. But God sees everything. And a drone can only see from one perspective, looking down. But God sees all around you. He doesn't just see the top of your head and that little receding spot back there. He sees every part of you. In fact, he doesn't just see the outside. He sees the inside. As Samuel said to David, God looks all the way to the heart. God doesn't see the way man sees. Man gets impressed with the outside. God looks at the heart. So they were watching Daniel, but Daniel was being watched by somebody mightier and more powerful than them, and Daniel was focusing on that one instead of them. Verse number five. So these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Some people will try and catch you doing something wrong so they can feel less guilty about their own sin. Some try and discredit your beliefs and devalue your faith. They watched him closely. They watched him daily. And they said, we find no fault. Kind of like the guys uh, evaluating Jesus. I find no fault in him. They found no fault in him. He was a faithful man and a faithful leader. And they said, listen, the only way we're going to find something against him is if we make it illegal for him to worship God. Now, I know believers who think we don't answer to the government. We answer to God. Actually, God said we do both. Because in Romans 13 and in Paul's letter to Timothy, he wrote about our obligation to support the government. Even when we don't completely agree with it, we have to show respect to those in those positions of authority. When the government makes it illegal to follow our faith, then and only then can we disobey the government. And that's exactly what Daniel did. Darius was at least 20 years younger than Daniel, but he saw the character and sweetness of, dispos of disposition in Daniel. So for the seniors that are here today, uh, maybe you should ask yourself, are you getting a little grumpy? Or are you becoming more patient and more kind over the years? Daniel had some of the normal aches and pains of somebody who was in his 80s or 90s, but he still had an excellent spirit. Some of you need to change. To our young people, are you learning from older people or are you devaluing them? Are you valuing their wisdom and learning from the years of them walking with the Lord? Kids and teens, are you respecting your parents? Honoring them with your heart and with your mouth. Some of you need to change. I honestly think those who know the Lord should have more happy wrinkles than frown wrinkles. 
You know, we should have lots of wrinkles because we've been smiling so much. We get all these vertical wrinkles around our cheeks instead of the furrows around. It's kind of hard to frown and smile at the same time. <laughs> the Grinch could do it, but I can't do it. To all of us, have you purposed in your heart to honor the Lord, not to defile yourself with the things of this world? 1 John 2.14 said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We need to change. We need to make a habit of correcting ourselves to the standard of God's word to please him and to follow him. What if somebody started a smear campaign against you? They were going to undermine you. They were going to tear you down. Would they be able to find something? They couldn't with Daniel. So, listen, please really pay attention. I know it's warm in here. I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't control the thermostats. I don't think they got set for the heat of the day. Maybe just too many people exhaling. Hold your breath for a minute. Let me see if it cools down up here. Oh, wait. Maybe it's my breath. Oh, anyway. Listen. I honestly believe we are too comfortable being sinners saved by grace. Too comfortable with the part in John where he says, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. So we're all struggling with sin. But he also said, you can walk with the Lord in harmony with the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, the Apostle Paul said, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. He says, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You are a blood-bought child of God with the capacity to be a Daniel. You can be one in your young age who says, I'm going to commit to walk with God. You could be one in your middle age who's recognized as following God. You can be one in your old age who's been living for God for decades and years. Even in a culture that was anti-God, there was Daniel standing as a representative of God. And you have that capacity. And we need to step up and live for God in such a way that people say, their heart, they have an excellent spirit. We need to live in such a way that our, our face is changed because we're walking in the light of God, in the light of his word. First Timothy 3, 7 said to pastors, a qualification for ministry leaders is they must have a good testimony of those who are outside. Non-believers should be able to look at your life and think, there's somebody who looks like Jesus. The non-believers said of Daniel, he has an excellent spirit, a spirit of the gods. They didn't recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't recognize holy God, but they recognized in Daniel something that was otherworldly. He lived above the turmoil of planet Earth and lived for God for generations. Is there an excellent spirit 
in you. I want you please to just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute. Ask yourself that question, Lord, do you see an excellent spirit in me? It matters a little bit what other people see. It matters a lot what God sees. God, do you see an excellent spirit in me? You think about that. You talk to God about that. And we'll sing in just a minute. While you're meditating and talking to God, there may be some here today who've never trusted Christ as Savior. You've been to church, maybe for years. You've never asked Jesus to save your soul and forgive your sins. You need to do that today. We don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. Never in Scripture is there a guarantee of tomorrow. But there is a guarantee of today. You need to trust Christ today. If you have trusted him, you need to live for him. Jim's going to come and he's going to lead us. We're going to sing, uh, whiter than snow, Lord, whiter than snow. And then it's going to transition into change my heart, oh God. Daniel had an excellent spirit. That was his heart. Maybe God needs to change your heart. So the first song is focusing on our need to devote ourselves to him like Daniel did as a young man when he dedicated his body and his life to the Lord. And the second song is about our need to change so that God can have the best part of who we are and we can have a close personal relationship and a growing relationship with him that affects every part of our life.